0: hey yo welcome into the chgo white sox podcast coming to you live from studio a of our chgo offices here in the west loop of chicago i'm your host sean anderson alongside me the full chgo white sox crew that is vinnie duber follow him at vinnie duber he's our chgo white Sox beat writer that is herb lawrence hello you can follow him at ecknerwall 23 he's our chgo white Sox community leader you can follow me at sean underscore w underscore anderson you can follow the show at chgo underscore white Sox. we are produced today by sarah hi Have you enjoyed your three hours here yes all right. Uh, <laughs> hit the thumbs up button and feel free free to subscribe. We are getting closer to March fourth. It's March first, if you haven't looked at a calendar, which means we're getting closer to our three year anniversary, right? Two. Maybe two? Yeah. It would be. We started in twenty
1: twenty two. It has been two mm, years. Two years since we'll okay. start our third year mm.
0: well, So okay, so that's all right, that's confusing. But it's it's our third time working <laughs> with math. Third time working on March fourth. That is yes. correct. But it's our second year anniversary. It's like your birthday. You don't count that first one usually, even but though man. you should. I'm out. I Wouldn't I be one? Want- oh, no, I guess. Yeah. It's a month. See how it goes. Mm. Mm-hmm. I know I really didn't um, mm. hit the subscribe button is the whole point of this. Uh, we are getting closer to 50,000 subscribers. Yeah, and- I'm 40.
3: I've had 46 birthdays. They only I'm only 45 years old. The birthday doesn't count as one of your actual days. Mm-hmm. Think it. about it this way
1: for more confusion. Mm hmm. The first year of your life ends with your first birthday.
0: On today's show. Are your brain? (laughs) Yes. On today's show, I've watched three hours of spring training baseball. My mind is mush. Uh, All these guys with nameless jerseys. I mean, that's what the real people should be really mad at fanatics for that. Can we just get names on the back of those? Like some of these jerseys don't even have names. You know what's just really funny is that you know who's escaping this uh, criticism
1: altogether? The Yankees. They figured it out.
3: <laughs> They're playing that long game.
0: <laughs> Their road jerseys have it, though, right? No,
1: no.
3: That's the Red Sox. Yeah, Red uh, Sox,
0: home, none, okay. road, yes. But Yankees are nothing on either. Hey, and we saw Justin Steele's beard today, and I said the Yankees have it right. Not everyone should have a beard. Justin Steele should shave that. I get he's from the Bayou, you creature, opening day, or what do he say? Uh, I don't think the Bayou's in Alabama. Oh, okay, my bad. My bad. I'll go a the little bit. Bayou's I'll go further west. Yeah. yeah. A little west and yeah. south. What you, how is he saying opening day, though? You were having fun with that. Like like someone from Alabama would. How, how would that happen? Open <laughs> day. Uh, thank you, Herb. Similar Herb
3: to Herb that. playing along. Uh, anyways. Uh, we're I'm gonna, not going to have the state of Alabama coming after me. <laughs> he, but isn't he from Louisiana? I mean, he might be, but I know he went to Al, uh, Alabama schools. <laughs> schools. He's from, I think. Oh, Loosedale,
0: Mississippi. Can you get you a Mississippi accent? Same thing. Okay, all right. (laughs) Get rid of all those states in there, except for Louisiana. And then he just he went from high school into college, I think. That's how many uh, people sorry, do. High school into, into the pros. <laughs> okay. I, I'm really dumb. I don't know how birthdays work. Uh, anyways, uh, let's maybe get into some pre-tape stuff. We got Max Stassi being interviewed by Vinny Duber. He's had uh, five total interviews, right? We've aired four, but this is the fifth. It is. That's how that works. That's okay. how it works. Uh, we had Michael Kopeck on Monday, Pedro Gaffol on Tuesday. Let's see if I can do this. Ooh, buddy. We had Paul DeYoung mm-hmm. on Wednesday, Eric Fetty on Thursday. We'll have Max Stassi today. Then we'll talk about today's spring training game uh, stuff that we noticed Michael Kopech pitched two innings uh, I think 40 plus pitches I'll add up the total and get that to you but he had five strikeouts one walk and a hit by pitch so it was a typical Michael Kopech outing Uh, we'll give you the full breakdown on that and then Herb wants to chat about Aloy Jimenez's stance because uh, we probably have seen this before this isn't the first game being broadcasted but it's at least the first time for us noticing it, I yeah, guess. So uh, we'll talk about how Aloy's stance changes uh, might help him. And then finally, Gavin Sheets or Mike Moustakas. Man, it feels like a monster truck battle. Uh, we'll talk some position battles later on. In You're not going to do the whole segment
1: in the monster truck ad read voice, are you?
3: I could. I, I got I mean, We don't have any anymore, right? Because Friday, there's a monster truck thing tonight. But
1: they're also on Saturday, 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 and Sunday, and Sunday, Sunday.
0: Sunday. Sunday. That, and is, that is a good point, guys. Show starts, I think, at like seven. So the, the I monster mean, truck
1: yeah, show. I, I think mm-hmm. there's still go time right to go have some family fun go see on a Friday. Monster, yeah. monster mutt the Dalmatian or whatever mm-hmm. it is.
0: It's not that. Okay. All right. Well, uh, anyways, <laughs> let's get into your chat with Max Stassi. Uh, let's go talk to the White Sox new catcher. Here's Vin and Max. video files not found no, what do we do silly. oh
3: no Sarah. we'll have to talk have about to something else okay. max stassi pretty much uh, erased it he's like uh it was a good conversation with Vinny, but uh i want people to be talking about my future where herb's starting tell me that i'm going to take a leap this year yeah i mean how there he is. he's oh
1: yeah what, that I'm, hair
3: i'm not remembering
1: why
0: i picked this for friday <laughs> why because we have the lower hair? viewers huh the, the hair
1: well you know people go out on a friday night maybe they maybe they're looking to listen to the podcast tomorrow rather than watch it live and that might be good for some folks to not see what my hair looks like in this interview
0: But the people who are watching, you're going to get a real treat. Okay, there we go. Thank you, Sarah, for being ready to tap dance. Uh, Anyways, we appreciate everyone for hanging out with us. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button. Uh, We really appreciate uh, Chicago Cubs shortstop saying, uh, White Sox suck. God bless you. Have fun winning a spring training game. Here's Max Stassi and Vinny Duber.
1: All right, Max. New, uh, new team this year for you. New camp. What's it been like uh, getting to know the White Sox here?
2: It's been awesome. You know, I'm uh, very happy to be over here. Uh, I think it's going to be an exciting year for us, and uh, you know, we got a good mix of veteran guys, some younger guys, and, and uh, excited to get going. You've obviously been here for a while as a catcher. Getting to know the pitching staff, what has it been like? What's the process of
1: getting to know a new pitching staff?
2: Yeah, it's just doing the homework, you know, knowing what they like, what they don't like, you know, how to set up behind the dish for them and, and just get to know them on a personal level. Um, yeah, it's, it takes some time, but, you know, each and every day, getting to know the guys a little better. What's the general feeling of this camp so far? Obviously,
1: we've heard so much from Pedro about kind of the message that he's putting forth, the style of play that he wants to see from you guys. What have you kind of heard from the manager?
2: Yeah, you know, he just wants us to be aggressive, you know, be aggressive on the bases, be aggressive in, in every uh, – facet of the game. So it's uh like I said, it's exciting and, and uh ready to get going.
1: When you hear zero point zero percent chance to make the playoffs, what is that what does that hit you as?
2: Yeah, it doesn't really matter to us in the room. You know, that's uh we control our own destiny and, and uh you know it, it that's the outside speaking so um you know we obviously we don't we don't believe that but uh you know we, we take it just one day at a time.
1: It certainly seems like Chris Getz in the front office put an emphasis this offseason on bringing in guys who have experience in organizations that have had success. Obviously, Houston is is one of those where you were a part of. What can you kind of take from your time with the Astros to kind of apply to what the White Sox are trying to build here?
2: Yeah, I've been around a lot of good players, you know, in Houston and Anaheim and, and saw how they went about their business. And, you know, I caught some really good pitchers, too. So I'm I'm excited to share my knowledge from, you know, stuff that I learned from them and, and just my experiences over the years. Um you know, it's my 15th spring training. It goes by fast, and, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to work with these guys.
1: One of those guys that you work that you worked with in Houston is Martin Maldonado, who's catching with you again here. What's it like to be reunited with him?
2: It's awesome. You know, you know, Maldi is he's incredible. You know, behind the scenes, the work that he puts in, um, you know, seeing him behind the dish, uh, it's it's pretty special. So it's awesome to to be back with him and and uh, excited to work with him this season. We've heard from opposing players, I think, during playoff runs in the past that he was a part of that,
1: you know, really the reason that those pitching staffs in Houston were able to have so much success had a lot to do with him. What is it that he brings to a game every day or that brings to a pitching staff in general that helps them have so much success?
2: I would say, uh, you know, like I, like I said earlier, it's it's his uh, number one is his experience, his preparation, uh, his focus during the game. And, uh, you know, he, he works really well with each guy. Uh, he does his homework, and, and uh, I think that's, uh, you know, a, a few things that, that makes him who he is. You have had you had a chance to catch Michael Kopech, I think, earlier today in, in live batting practice. Is
1: What do you see from this guy?
2: Yeah, yeah I see, uh, you know, obviously an explosive fastball, and, you know, he's working on his secondaries too. And, you know, he looks good. You know, he's healthy, he's ready to go, and, and uh, expecting big things out of him this season. How about Dylan Cease? Obviously, he's been the talk of the offseason
1: for, for one reason or another. But, uh, you know, this is a guy who just two years ago finished really high in the Cy Young, you know, race in the vote. What have you seen from him maybe as, a, as an opposing hitter? And then what are you seeing from him this camp?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's as advertised. You know, I caught his bullpen yesterday, and I don't think he missed a spot. You know, he was working all all of his pitches in the zone. And, and uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's ready for a, a big season, and, and uh, I expect nothing but but less from him. What has it been like, you know, obviously you're catching these guys, but when these pitchers
1: are working with Brian Bannister, who's, who's new to this organization, what have you noticed from him? It seems like from our vantage point, he's really coaching the guys up and really going in depth. What have you seen from him?
2: Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, you know, Bannister coming over, he's got a track record. You know, he started out in Boston. Um, you know, they won the World Series there. He went to San Francisco, you know, kind of uh, changed some things up in the pitching department, had some success there. And, um you know, I expect the same uh, uh, here. You know, with his knowledge and and uh, his ability to work with each and every guy, it's it's pretty fun to watch. Obviously, you're on to the White Sox now, but I, I think I'd be remiss to ask you what's it like to catch Shohei Ohtani. Yeah, it's uh, it's not bad. Uh, yeah, he's got just about every pitch in the book, and and uh, but the thing with Shohei is his preparation and focus, and I mean with him uh, doing both, you know, it's such a high level. It's uh, incredible to watch him hit and pitch and. Um, I mean, shoot, even run the bases, too. When you look at yourself this
1: year, what are you kind of uh, expecting for, for what you're able to contribute to this team? You know, maybe from an offensive standpoint, maybe from a defensive standpoint, which obviously was a big emphasis of, of the front office this, this winter.
2: Yeah, I, I honestly, I try not to have any expectations. I try to take each and every day, uh, you know, our approach it each and every day the same and, and uh, just go out there and have fun. I think the big thing for me is just being on the field and, and uh, being there for my teammates. What's this clubhouse like? What are those teammates like? I think we we've been in there a few times now, and it seems like a lot of talking going on, a lot of energy in there. What do you make of this group of guys? Oh, they're incredible. I think that uh, the the front office put an emphasis on you know bringing in guys that are good in the clubhouse, and um, you know it's 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 a lot of fun. Uh, we're all gelling pretty well together, and um, yeah, it's just like I said, it's uh, it's fun to be a part of. I, we're hearing from a lot of your teammates
1: that you know you guys are gonna are going out to try to surprise some people this year. Is there is there a little bit of that
2: chip on the shoulder, a little bit of that? Hey, let's show you what we can do. Absolutely, why not? You know, go out there and, <laughs> and uh, see what we can do. You know, we show up each and every day to win, and, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll do just that. All right, Max Stassi, thanks for the time. That is Max Stassi,
0: the guy that Herb thinks is going to take a leap here. Uh, before we hit the break here, anything stick out from the Max Stassi interview? Just a very enjoyable experience for all the folks
1: listening to the audio only version on podcast. I'm, I just can't, that? I can't, I can't compliment the
3: audio experience enough. Any, any specific? That hair was horrible. Oh, okay. It looked terrible. You know, like, I, I know you're, everybody's their <laughs> toughest critic. As I watched that, I saw a couple of hairs out of place, but you're outside in the breeze. I gotta be honest. Sarah and I,
0: you know, I asked Sarah, like, hey, are you busy? She's like, no, I'm only doing this show. Like, I was like, can you edit the Max Stassi interview? And then I was like, she was like, which one is that? And then I was like, oh, it's this one. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was Benny's Bad Hair Day. Yeah. I got to be honest. We did, we talked about it. That's, yeah. It was, was I
1: didn't, I didn't bring, I didn't bring uh, all of my uh, hair stuff to Arizona. And so I had, I took my time in acquiring it, and uh, I had I had to go out to dinner that evening without a hat, mm. and so
0: yeah, it didn't it didn't work out. It's okay, it's okay. It, it looking fresh now. Don't Thank worry. you. Don't worry. You. Uh, we'll, we'll, we can burn that video if you want, uh, <laughs> but it will be posted later at six thirty uh, on our CHGO YouTube channel. And hey, Matthew Cortez saying you look like a rock star. Uh, I think someone was asking who the rock star on your shirt was. It was Tom Petty. Uh, it was. So, so there you go. You're you're you know, damn those torpedoes and damn that hair gel. You know, right? Absolutely. All right. Uh, anyways, uh, let's take a break, and uh, we'll let you know about our friends over at Line and Google. I think you were just going to read the can today. Vinny, was your your idea, and tell people about uh, was it Roseline and Google? Yes. Okay, That makes sense because that's the the matriarch the company. Uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll 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 jump into some Michael Kopeck and Lou Jimenez talk. So I'm going. I, I've got the green light for the
1: Lineys read. You, you got do. the green light okay. for the Lineys read, guys. When you hear the phrase Wisconsin innovation. Some things might come to mind. Perhaps the cheese curd. Perhaps indoor water parks.
0: People owning their own NFL team.
1: <laughs> That's another thing. Perhaps Summerfest. They say, hey, we've got this big giant piece of concrete on the front of the lake. What are we going to do with it? Put a, bunch of, put a bunch of concerts there at the same time. <laughs> but you know what comes to my mind? The delicious beers made by the Jacob Kugel Brewing Company out of Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Guys... They're sponsoring us now, and it's fantastic because it means that we get to sit here and drink these delectable beers on air, whether it's the Sunset Wheat that I'm enjoying currently or the Lakeside Cherry that Herb is enjoying currently, or you can go down to the Jewels and get yourself some honey vice, I bet, but I know what everybody's waiting for. They're waiting for summer. They're waiting for the temperatures to get... To the exact perfect scientifically proven spot where summer shandy tastes its most delicious. That's why it's a seasonal beer, folks. Um, but get ready for that. Obviously, usually shandy season starts kind of early. I bet. I bet. Maybe. Maybe this month. Maybe next month. Mm-hmm. You'd be finding summer shandy in your jewels. Uh, so you got to go ahead and, and and get it because what other beer are you going to drink while you're sitting by the lake or while you're. Out at the Sox game because as you know, Line and Kugels is the official craft beer of the Chicago White Sox. Or maybe you're going all the way up to northern Wisconsin. You're gonna be paddling around on a lake in some canoe. You're gonna want a hearty, a hearty sample of summer shandy. You're gonna want a whole full cooler of it because you go through it quickly, it's just that good. Here's the part that I have to read, verbatim. Flavor Life's simple moments with Line and Kugels, the official craft beer of the Chicago White Sox. Get yourself to liney.com slash C-H-G-O to find delivery options near you. That's L-E-I-N-I-E.com slash C-H-G-O or pick up lining Kugels pretty much anywhere they sell beer. Lining Kugels, flavor the moment, celebrate responsibly. The Jacob Lining Kugel Brewing Company, Chippewa Falls,
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you talk about Wisconsin innovation in that ad? I did. Do you know it's an innovation of the great state of Florida? Um... Shows where guys wrestle alligators. Monster Jam. <laughs> Enjoy big time family fun at Monster Jam, where the world's best drivers and their 12,000 pound monster trucks tear up the dirt in wide open competitions of speed and skill. You'll be on the edge of your seat as you witness all out racing, massive stunts, big air and backflips. Monster Place is the only place to see the legendary Grave Digger, Megalodon, El Toro Loco, and Vin- Favorite Monster Mutt Dalmatian. It's the most heart pounding Monster Truck event, an experience you won't forget. Nothing else compares. Unscripted, unforgettable, unexpected Monster Jam, as big as it gets. See world class athletes in action performing the craziest stunts in motorsports. This is Monster Jam. See it live at the Allstate Arena, March 1st, 2nd, 3rd, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, this weekend. Be there, be there, be there. Link for tickets is in the description, uh, and that is uh, at uh, at 6 p.m. Doors open at 6 p.m. So be there. There's probably people watching this show driving while sitting in the Allstate Arena waiting right now. You know, waiting to pay to get in that parking. Maybe parking's free. I don't know. I didn't look into this. They're probably um,
1: just like monster mutt
0: dalmatian. Monster mutt dalmatian. <laughs> they all have hoodies. They're, you know, the, the the top has the little ears on it, too. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's there cute. Go. Uh and William, I do appreciate that I you know, I sound like Randy Savage, but I'm also not doing my my actual Randy Savage because like oh, yeah. Uh, no, I can't do it. Okay. I'm right. Snap uh, into a
3: Slim Jim. Ooh, no. It's not there. Yeah, you got to like get a, like a. I guess
0: I've just been too monster, jamming. Yeah,
3: <laughs> cream always rises to the top. Ooh yeah, you're okay, getting
0: there. All right, it's okay. better. Okay, yeah. I had to, to there. do the cream crop. Okay, uh, let's talk about today's spring training game. Uh, Sarah worked very hard on the graphic that says the White Sox lost ten to six to the Cubs out in uh, Mesa, Arizona. Sunny Mesa, Arizona. Ooh, hey. I gotta be honest. I don't think I, I don't think I would
1: ever say other than this very specific situation. I'm glad I'm not in Mesa, Arizona because. <laughs> As you can see outside, it's a it's a cloudy, dreary day here in Chicago. Looked lovely out in Arizona for doing anything other than trying to catch a fly ball.
0: <laughs> oh, well, also, too, like you came back and then the next day, was it that tornado day? Basically. That was
1: oh, here. Yeah. yeah, that
0: was Tuesday. Yeah, that was Tuesday. Yeah, okay, yeah. so welcome back. You know, Thanks. like you know, <laughs> tornadoes
1: and, and and clouds.
0: Sunny, almost yeah. unbearably sunny Mesa, Arizona, or uh, you know, the regular hell in a week. Um, anyways, uh, it's
3: seventy-eight degrees in Mesa, Arizona. By the way,
1: So that sounds nice. Ugh, seventy-eight early.
3: and real sunny. Way too much.
1: You're complaining about a seventy-eight and sunny day?
3: Yes. Her. 70, me, Her. perfect day is 65. You stop. 100%. You know how much I sweat. 78, man, I'll be like Nelson. Ooh, sorry. Melton. Sorry, people who are listening on the radio. You didn't melt this winter.
0: This is the warmest winter since. Anyone Ever? Know? Sunday,
1: it's,
3: Sunday, Sunday, Sunday? Since so
2: 1987.
0: I heard 1932.
2: I'm totally yeah. guessing. I don't know. Oh, oh, I didn't.
0: I, that You gave a really convicted answer there. I, I believe Sarah in 1987. Uh, no, 1932. Oof. I mean, that's, yikes. Uh, anyways, um, what were we talking about? Oh, Sunny. Air, Mesa, Arizona, yeah, and yeah. Pete Crow arm, uh, Armstrong being horrible at baseball. I mean, uh, and Matt a Hurts. lot of other people too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, thankfully the Sox weren't doing it. I don't, I don't, I didn't see any uh, Sox dealing. They got better shades, I guess. Maybe the Cubs couldn't hit the ball in the air. Um, anyways, uh, let's jump into Michael Kopech. Uh We can work. Actually, I guess Aloy was first because Aloy hit in the first inning. So why don't we go to Aloy? Uh, then we'll get to Michael okay. Uh Aloy Jimenez. We think we noticed a stance change. From Alloy. Alloy has obviously always had a very odd leg stance, uh, has been very pronounced. He always had a very upright bat. Uh, Sarah, if you have that graphic, feel free to flash it. Um, but what we noticed was, uh, the Alloy, the Twitter, yeah, thank you. The Twitter screenshot, um, What we noticed is his arms seem to be a little bit more away from his body. You can see it's very tight uh, to his body. His elbow is raised and more pointed towards the plate rather than straight down, pointed towards his back foot. Um, And you can also see that leg movement. While it is still there, it does seem to be a little lessened. It seems to be a little bit more straight, uh, a little bit less of like a sharp Bend there in that front leg, you can kind of see it's more of a curved leg, uh, his front leg, than a, a, a pointy, uh, and his back seems to be a little bit more arched. Uh, you feeling like he's more hitterish now? Is that can we be
3: baseball and be cool and say he's looking hittery? I'm just trying to figure out, you know, just, just the hypothesis of why you would do that. And the reason why I would think is probably because where Aloy's hands last year were kind of low mid body and probably at the chest, where If you got to hit a high fastball that's above your hands, you got to get there anyways. You got to get there up there to hit that pitch anyways. Now just start your hands there, and you can. It's better to adjust down than just back up. And so getting your hands, and it looks like his his left elbow, his lead elbow is up too, so he can probably get to balls and clear out balls that are inside of him a little bit easier that way. So yeah, it's a good thing because I mean in spring training he's hitting what about 500 right now so it's just spring training but somebody was saying well his problem's never been his hitting last year his hitting was kind of a problem it was just kind of mediocre i think he was a 104 point 104 white rated runs created plus and so that's just four points above, above the average hitter not just the average designated hitter. For a designated hitter, that's piss poor. So I think that he wants to generate more power, firstly, because people probably have probably been getting a, uh, a, a a tell on him. And getting his hands up get, allows him to get to that ball a little quicker who that is a uh, high fastball. And so it looked like he got a high fastball today from, uh, was it uh, Assad? Assad, yeah. And he got to it, but it broke his bat and then, it right over the shortstop's head. So if that's working, if that's what the point is, I'm all for it.
1: It's funny. We talked to Aloy in the early days of spring training, and certainly it stands out to everybody that this is a power hitter who is having so much trouble getting the ball in the air at the for the better part of the second half last season. And so we talked to him at the beginning of spring training and said, well, hey, what are you – what are you working on? What are you doing to to, to, to fix that, to, to hit more fly balls? And he basically refused to tell us and said it was a secret, and we'll see. We'll see if it works kind of thing. Um, I don't know if this is what he was referring to, but... I would have to imagine that everything that was done from the White Sox standpoint this year in terms of tweaking anything that he was doing with the bat was to achieve that goal of him getting the ball in the air a lot more. I mean, guys, we sat here and watched how many games where, you know, it wasn't necessarily that he wasn't hitting the ball hard. Mm -hmm. He was just hitting it right into the ground all the time, you know, right at defenders on the infield you go play the old uh, mvp 2005 game you're hitting it right at the big wood panel right when you're in when you're playing the mini game there uh it wasn't working out for him and so there was changes that needed to be made this offseason changes that needed to be made this spring we're going to see once the games start counting uh how effective those changes end up being but if this is one of those changes uh we can at least point to why it was made um even if we don't necessarily know if there are perhaps other things, probably there are that went into it as well.
0: You brought it up. So I have to depart from the Eloy Jimenez thing just for a second, but uh, you brought up uh, earlier that Royce Lewis hit another grand he slam uh, and Russ Dorsey tweeted out Royce Lewis definitely uses the auto home run cheat code from MVP MVP baseball. When he sees the bases loaded, uh, he can't stop hitting grand slams. So, uh, you know, uh, it's just, it's at, it's at everyone's brain and they should bring it back. Uh, but anyways, uh, the alloy stuff—it just seemed just more repeatable. It seems f- more fluid, and hopefully, it would just lead to him being more out in front on those fastballs. And he was able to handle a, a slider too. Uh, and you'd rather see him if he gets a fat slider from Javier Assad. You'd rather see him hit it—you know, three hundred and forty feet foul down the left field line and pulling these balls uh, rather than again, you know, just just maybe having weak contact or uh, again just not making the the right contact. It does seem like he's in more of a power stance. I know we've said this before. I think we said it in 2022 when we were doing shows on March 4th and waiting for the lockout to end. I think we were saying it in 2023. I am going to say it now because I think we have conviction that he won't play the field at all. Knock on wood. He will not. He will hit 40 homers. He's got a. He's got a big. I mean, it's not, I'm a not contract
3: year. I like it. I like it, what you're, it's, what you're it's going. It's kind
0: of a contract year. It's not a contract year. It could be a contract. Year. Could be a contract year. I don't know. He, se- he seemed, he, he just seemed really relaxed when he was talking to you guys. You know, he he, he was, I think, messing with Merck, right? Like, Merck forgot his name, uh, just reminding Merck who he was. Like, I don't know. He just seemed confident. If he's healthy, he's confident. He's made changes that will just help him be just more repeatable. No appendix to burst this year. Hopefully, right? <laughs> there you go. Uh, I, 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 I think he'll have forty. I I don't know. I don't think it's crazy, but it's just not at all. I I would like him to do it. He did it
3: one time in his rookie year, and I think if you extrapolate him being healthy. That would be a natural 40 home runs too. Easily hit 40.
0: Fingers crossed. All right, Uh, let's take a break and then we'll get into some uh, Michael Kopech stuff. Uh, Herb's going to let you know about game time. If you do want to go see uh, Aloy Jimenez's change stance in person, uh, he'll tell you how to get uh, a code to make sure that it's uh, even a nicer deal for you. Um, I'll let you know about uh, prospects.
3: At game time, they believe that you shouldn't be worried about when you're buying tickets to your next big event. That's why game time has a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, Theater events that are near you with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat and their best price guarantee game type game time. takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. My situation, I bought some tickets in Atlanta to see the Braves play went to a secondary site other than game time to see if they had cheaper tickets. And one did. So I sent this information to game time and within 12 minutes, of that email, they sent 110% of the difference to my GameTime account. You could see the views from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly where you're expected to sit when you arrive. And all-in prices show the total upfront, so you know where you're getting without the hidden fees. GameTime has deals right up to the start of the event and even an hour after the event start. It's the place to go to find last-minute seats. Going up to Milwaukee later in April, I was thinking about buying tickets to the Brewers, Yankees, but I said, I'm gonna wait until the game starts so I can go and buy them at game time so I can get the best seats and the best price available. And with zone deals, you pick the section, game time picks the seats for an average savings of 18%. And at game time guaranteed, that means that you'll always get the best price. You find tickets in the same section or row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time download the gametime app, create an account and use the code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CHGO for $20 off. Download Gametime today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices. Guaranteed. Thanks, Herb. Price Picks is the
0: largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor is heating up. The Bulls play at 9 p.m. tonight. Oh, my. At home? At home. Why? CHO Bulls, it has a post game show, I believe, at ten thirty yeah. or eleven, something like that tonight. They'll
3: probably finish the it in the night. The bucks. At oh my goodness. Why? Bu- I don't probably know. ESPN or you can go on game TVs. time and
2: get tickets. There's like uh there was gotcha. what was it, forty five dollar ones right now?
3: There you go. You can
0: go to game time. And you and have get a tickets. lot of time to uh, do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and
3: when, you know what you can do on price picks? What? You can pick how fast people are gonna be doing the forty yard dash. Oh,
0: you go more than a lesson?
3: Yeah. There you go. I got him already. Look at you. Oh, and you already picked him. So so you
0: got Brock Bowers to hit. Brock Bowers going uh, sub uh, 4-5-40. Football season may be over, but you could bet on the combine. Uh, But the action on the floor is (laughs) heating up. Uh, Whether it's tournament season, (laughs) fight for playoff home court, the NFL combine, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. Get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app, where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious cash. Conference tournaments are here, too, which means the biggest moments in college basketball are getting closer, be a part of, of the action on price picks for both men's and women's college basketball. And if you are showing up to the bowls game today, you're sitting down on your seats. Price picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Uh, so if you're really feeling it, maybe you, you look at the starting lineup and you're like, Oh, I like that matchup. You can go pick her more than or less than on a certain guy's, uh, stat projections. So go to prizepicks.com CHGO and use code CHGO for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com CHGO and use code CHGO. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. All right. Uh, Michael Kopek, Herb, what'd you make of the
3: start today? I thought uh, you got the same first inning struggles. I mean, with the magical bat who led off, you see the brilliance that he has, like the curve or slider or cutter that he's throwing. It's crisp. And then through that whole first inning, you could see he got people down to two strikes and then he's searching. And there's a couple non-competitive pitches in that first inning. So eventually he gets out of it because he's Michael Kopik. He has filthy stuff. I think he hits a batter, Nick Madrigal to start it, Mm -hmm. walks a batter, and then strikes out the side, you know, before pretty much going three and two with the first three batters. So. You get the Michael Kopech experience in that first inning, no run scored, and then the second inning. I think he came out, and yes, they're they're a fewer, they're lesser hitters. So I think it was the five, six, seven, and eight hitters. So he looked like he was more attacking these guys instead of um, he had the feel in that second inning. It might have been just simple as that, and fewer, less competitive pitches, and just going after these guys with fastballs. And then there was one batter I think it was the last batter he faced where he struck him out twice with a filthy cutter or slider at the bottom of the zone that the ump didn't call and then he just doubled up on that and just uh, get a fastball right down the pipe and it was like get your ass out of there I was like all right there's the Michael Kopeck that needs to be showing up every single inning it seemed like he was in attack mode that second in the first inning he was more passive and he didn't find the feel of his slider and or fastball but that's the experience. I mean, I don't know how you fix the first innings for Michael Kobe because it's been going on for a minute now, but the result was good this year. He found a way to get out of that first inning without any damage done.
1: I mean, I, listen, this is only a two-inning outing, your first outing of the spring, but I, I think White Sox fans and, and certainly me from someone who's just interested standpoint want to see the, that kind of, you know, in-game struggles happen to a degree with Michael Kopech this spring because you want to see how he responds to mm-hmm. it and, and, I, and so more so than hearing the results and hearing what he did you know walked X number of guys struck out X number of guys I want to hear from him about what he was thinking in the moment right because so much last year we certainly saw the fact that struggles were getting to him and that he was visibly frustrated on the mound and it seemed to compound the problems that he was having And then not only that, we heard that that is what was happening from both him, Pedro Grafol, and others. So to be able to see whether he has worked on that to an effective degree this offseason since the end of last year, you got to give him moments that are going to generate those kinds of reactions that he had last year and see and make sure that that's not going to be a continuous problem. If he's going to continue to walk, guys, that's going to be a problem. You don't want walks, right? But Dylan Cease almost won the Cy Young leading the American League in walks because on the mound he is unaffected by those Mm -hmm. and he is able to get out of it. Michael Kopech was not last year. And so if he can maybe find a solve for for that side of the issues that he was going through, maybe the walks don't end up biting him quite as hard because he's able to do what he did today, which was – Two guys on base? I don't care. I'm going to strike out the next three, right? And so that, to me, is the most important thing of Michael Kopech's spring training. I asked uh, uh, Pedro in the interview that I had with him that we played on on Tuesday uh, about that, about Michael Kopech's work on the mental side of the game, the emotional side of the game. Pedro said he looked like, in that regard, he showed up to camp looking like a totally different guy. So if that's the case, then a first inning like today is not a, as we described it in the title, an up-and-down situation. It's not a, a dangerous situation for him and for the White Sox to be in. It is a success because he didn't give up any runs. He put two guys on base, but he but he dialed back in and struck out the next three guys. If that is the response to the kind of things that he did way too often last year and maybe will continue to do to, to, to some extent – then that to me is a problem that is very much solved versus what we saw over and over again last
0: year and he spoke to or he spoke to the media after the game and uh, chuck posted it and i think you used the word unravel what did you use or, or le- not letting the problem compound and that was really the first thing that he said i think he used unravel or something like that um and he didn't let it unravel to that point the issue, though, is when he says his goal is to you know, throw 180 innings, it's just you can't have, I think, four full counts and then 45 pitches through the first two innings. So there were definitely some positives. There were definitely some negatives. It really felt like a true Michael Kopeck start. Uh, and the first batter, Kevin mentions, yep, if you throw a bad pitch, be willing to move on, which I think he did, but it definitely took him two batters to get there. And the first one to Madrigal, the first pitch is a fastball up and in. And that's an arm side miss. And Brian Bannister, I think, mentioned to you guys about, you know, when Kopech is locked in, he won't be missing uh, up and in and and missing to that arm side. And then you could kind of see him immediately get into his head and then he misses that one up and in and then he misses the second one just up and right down the middle. And then the third one is up and on the outside part of the plate. So it just feels like he's trying to overcorrect in those first three pitches on the result that he just got and not trying to just get rid of that pitch and lock back in. Um, and then he tried to get, you know, locked back in. He hits a fastball low at the knees and then he debuts his cutter and it's a nice pitch that break breaks back over the uh, the inside part of the plate, gets called for a strike, and then he's like, oh, I liked how that looked. Let's try it again. And then he hits magical in the mouth. So that one was tough. And then the Suzuki one was tough too. He gets into another full count. Um, he had another fastball up and in that missed arm side and it was after he gets into a one-two count And then he tried to pick off Madrigal, and then he stepped off. So he had two parts where he really didn't get the chance to deliver that pitch. And then he missed, again, what he's been struggling with. Up and in on that fastball, um, and then he had a really good at bat against Michael Bush. Ended it on a curveball or a sweeper.
3: It was pretty nasty. Um, was that the one that was high? Looked a little. Uh, no, no,
0: it was it was low. Um, okay. It was a, a pitch that was low. Was, I, I think it was a curveball or a slider. I don't really know. Just we didn't have Statcast, so I really can't get the the true uh, vibe of it. It had more of a vertical drop. But Bush almost gets a check swing, and that would have been a strikeout. And then he's like. Not really bothered by it. Throws that backdoor cutter again. Gets a called strike. And that's the first strike out there. And then the fourth batter to Jan Gomes. He absolutely locked in. Threw a slider. Got a called strike. Then threw another slider. Low and away. And it was a really nice slider that had a nice break. Exactly where you want it. Gomes follows it off. And then Kopech was like, well, I just got a nice result on that. Let's throw the same exact pitch. It was nasty. Looked like a 2021 Kopech slider. Had really nice movement. And got a nice whiff from Jan Gomes. And it was a nice three pitch at bat. Um, and then the other ones were really difficult. But the one that really then stuck out, too, was uh, Matt Shaw. Uh, the first step in the second inning. It was a fastball up and in, got a whiff on it. It probably would have been a ball if he didn't swing in it, but it was just, like, truly not, like, a miss. Like, it was a, an up and in competitive pitch, and Shaw swung and missed at it. Then it was a fastball low middle that was called for a strike. And then instead of trying to go for the wipeout pitch, instead of trying to go for the, the strikeout, he throws a slider that was in the zone, low and away. Shaw, weak contact to DeYoung, An easy put out at first. So there were really some great moments, some ugly moments, uh, a lot of tape to go over with Brian Bannister, but if he's able to lock in and not let it go away, when he was competitive in the zone with his fastball, it was a lot of whiffs and a lot of late swings. That is why he is a starter. That is why he'll get the chance, if healthy, to make 30 starts, 180 innings. He has a true elite fastball that not a lot of starters has have and while he doesn't have that true 180 inning plateau that he's hit before he's reached 120 like he's Garrett Crochet who were you know goo gagaing over the 100 mile per hour fastball he got Shohei Otani looking at he's never thrown more than 60 innings in a season like Kopech is the true potential ace of this team if they trade away Dylan sees which is very likely
3: Yeah, and I love that at bat with uh, Shaw. I know he's like a rookie, a big-time prospect for the Cubs, but he didn't, as you said, he didn't try to strike him out, which are just, you know, so many times you get to two strikes, and Michael Kopech specifically, he's trying not to get hit or he's trying to do a put-away pitch. That pitch was just in the plate, hit it if you can, and he did. He warm-burned it to uh, DeJong, and so that's what – we should be looking for from this year from Michael Kopech, turning those pitches where it would have been a walk or a prolonged at-bat where you're throwing more pitches on 1-2 than you need to. I think he did that uh, in a couple of these uh, at-bats where he got a guy down 0-2 and then he's trying to search for the the, the put-away pitch. That one he's like, alright kid, hit the ball where you need to hit the ball and all you're going to do is hit the ball to one of my infielders. Now, if you can strike a dude out, you can strike, strike him out, but if you don't have it, Sometimes just induce that ground ball and let your people behind you work, work out instead of... Uh, and there was nothing really in the air you, today either by the Cubs. So that was really good to see because you've seen Michael Kopech give up a ton of home runs last year too.
0: Yeah, well, the, the only thing that was in the air was uh, Suzuki Cutter it was the only one that got hit. Uh, it was in the outside part of the plate and it was fouled off. And it was hit a mile, but it was well fouled. So
1: one uh, Another one of the takeaways from spring, just from talking with folks and, and certainly people who watched the Kopech interview that you guys played on Monday will will realize this. It seems like Brian Bannister's message to Michael was just keep it simple because Kopech was describing the situation of sometimes you the the competitive juices get flowing so much, and this is, is part of the mental side of the game, part of the emotional side of the game. It's not always just, uh, you know, oh, he's mad on the mound kind of thing. It, it is the chess match maybe overwhelms uh, a little bit and you're trying to compete so much you're trying to do stuff that you can't do or you can't do well and brian Bannister's message basically to everybody but certainly michael uh, uh, applies as well is just just do the thing that you do really good just just keep doing that have confidence in it and and go out there and do it. don't try to get outside of yourself martin maldonado talking about michael kopech used the my favorite quote of the spring, which was you don't have to be super nasty to be nasty. And you know, uh, the, these pitchers are always looking for that edge, trying to make that ball move in a way that it's never moved before. Just go out there and, and pitch. And if, if, if that can be mastered He's going to be the guy that you're describing, Sean, and and I think that you know you were going through those at bats, going through certainly the first one there where the the pitches were off. He was probably trying so hard to make it go a certain way, and it wasn't working. Just make just 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 throw the ball, and and you're gonna and you're gonna do it because you are so naturally talented, and we we know I don't have to say it, but we know he's got all the ability in the world, and it's just about figuring it out and making sure you can do it on a consistent basis, and also figuring it out from batter to batter, right? Because like, like I was saying earlier, you, walk, you hit a guy, you walk a guy, guess what? Get it out of your mind and go get that guy out. Then go get the next guy out, then go get the next guy out. That's what Dylan Cease is really good at, and if Michael Kopeck figures that out, he'll be that guy.
0: Well, and it feels like aiming, too. Like that first batter with Madrigal, those first three pitches, it feels like, okay, I can't be missing arm side, up and in, right? I got to throw this strike at the top of the zone. I'm going to throw it right down the middle. I'm going to aim it. And then you miss it. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to be precise on the second one. And then you miss it. And then I'm going to be precise on the third one. And then that first pitch to Matt Shaw, he gets the inning to think on it in the dugout. He gets to clear his head. And he does throw one of just those natural fastballs where his release point was perfect on point, And it was... High up in the zone, exactly where you need it to be, but it was just low enough where it was, you know, he was you know, Shaw wasn't able to lay off of it, but it was high enough where, you know, it's likely a ball if you don't get it called, but it's just nasty. Yeah, and all it's of just naturally nasty. nasty just right, hit
3: the ball way up in the air. Right, if um, he does get a piece of it, so. or break
0: his bat because it's just you know <laughs> cutting into a righty, like it's 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 disgusting. And if if he just can go out there and be like, all right, I'm just gonna throw and maybe not aim. Maybe he'll, he'll finally get those results. All right, uh, let's jump into the position battle. One of the uh, few actual p- uh, player position battles that we have. Uh, Mike Moustakis versus Gavin Sheets. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's texting their buddies. The group chats are blowing really? up. Really? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what group chats you're a part of. <laughs> Again, none. None of them are blowing up. Uh, but what do we make of Gav versus Mike Moustakis? Does anyone have a, a, a leg up? Does, is it Gavin after you know going after Mike Moustakis' former team? Team with two homers
3: I mean the results are Gavin but I think being a veteran at Mike Moustakis is I think maybe he would have the leg up because the people know him I'm already thinking about that March uh press conference like oh well Moose has run into a couple and uh, Gav has an options so he can go down to the minor leagues and you have Mike Moustakis on the team for my liking even though I have said that Gavin Cheat shouldn't be on this team um in a real world I would want 27-year-old Gavin Cheats to be getting those at-bats more than 35-year-old Mike Boustakis. I mean, both of them hopefully will not be getting extensive playing time unless they're just different from what they were last year and they're just really good. But I think at the end of the day, and when we're talking about this at the end of the month, we're like, Mike Boustakis made the team and Gavin has another option left. So it was an easy move for the White Sox to do. Especially because he's a veteran leader, they know his his work, and uh, he can uh, filter down to the other team. And he could probably handle that role a little bit better than Gavin has, because Gavin has pretty much done that role the last couple years, where he's just the lefty bat off the bench.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that I think there's a good chance it'll play out that way. I do think there is something to the idea of hey, if Mike Moustakis looks bad in spring training, and I don't mean looks bad from a us watching it on TV standpoint, I mean, looks bad to Pedro and to the coaches and to the front office. Then what are you doing? Having him there over a guy like Gavin sheets, who apparently did a lot of work this offseason, apparently is feeling a lot better from a baseball playing standpoint, and also doesn't have to go out and play right field this year, which he has had to do the last two seasons. But at the same time, that the roster realities are what they are right and to be able to say gavin go down to triple a we're gonna have moustakis as, as this guy and if mike moustakis is awful by the end of april you just come right back and that seems to be a very easy thing to do um now granted moustakis i believe gets an pay bump if he makes the uh, if he makes the major league team perhaps that has something to do with it at the end of the day we'll see but i will say this from being in that clubhouse during the spring mike musaka is a very positive presence you got guys kind of gathered around him gavin sheets being one of them listening to what he you know the the yarns he has <laughs> to spin so to speak and uh, obviously as you mentioned the familiarity with pedro grifol the familiarity with chris Getz, they know what he brings not just to a team on the field but in that clubhouse and for a team that is putting a lot of emphasis on a cultural makeover to go with the the whole rebuilding effort that they've got going on, it does seem that there would be some positives to bringing him aboard, even if the production is, Herb,
0: what you expect it to be. Well, and to be clear, too, because Kevin's asking in the chat – for right field, what about Dominic Fletcher? Not an option. Oh boy, is he the option? Uh, Dominic Fletcher will be your right fielder, I think, in open to start opening day. Uh, that does seem pretty clear. This is for the left-handed bench bat. Correct. So it doesn't seem like there's a ton of actual position battles for the opening day starting roster, or for you know the technical usual lineup typical lineup it will be Benny in left field Luis Robert in center field Dominic Fletcher in right field Vaughn at first base second base it seems to be Nicky Lopez shortstop it seems to be uh, Paul DeYoung third base basically Yon Mancada. DH will be Aloy Jimenez and catcher will be Martin Maldonado Max Stassi, who you just heard from today, will be the bench catcher. Uh, likely that Danny Mendick will be the infielder, bench infielder. We'll see. Maybe. I, I think. We'll I, talk about that Monday. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Let's just put it this way: as I was, uh, you know, going through those guys, uh, you know, whether it's Danny Mendick, Braden Shoemake, who they got in the bummer trade, uh, and some guys that have been around, Lenin Sosa, Jose Rodriguez. None of these guys are impressive from an offensive standpoint. Just that's just the truth. They're 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 uh, recent. Offensive production has been not good and I don't think anyone should expect it to be good all of a sudden coming up this year. I guess the best case you would have is that those three guys who aren't Danny Mendick are young and and, and perhaps they go to the minor leagues and can continue to develop maybe even somebody like a Shoemaker. Gets a gets a shot at the major league uh, at backing up in the major leagues and, and and develops a little further. Mendick obviously is a little further down the line, but um, they're going to be there to play defense. And so that's the really the answer to your question there. When you talk about Gavin Sheets, an option in right field, I can't imagine that Gavin Sheets will play much, if any, right field this year because the whole point of going to get Dominic Fletcher, the whole point of having these guys like Kevin Pillar and Brett Phillips uh, in in camp. Is that they're trying to improve that defense, and so that's why I think that Mustakis and Sheets are competing for a job of coming off the bench and, and hitting because they're not going to they're not going to eat into Andrew Vaughn's playing time very much at first base either.
0: Right, and then as you said too, Kevin Pilar being the fourth outfielder on the bench, so this is just strictly for can you hit righties? Like this is this is all this job is for Gavin Sheets or Mike Mustakis. Um, I think too, like you mentioned, the youth and all those guys going down. Uh, like Lenin Sosa, Braden Shumake, uh Popeye uh, Rodriguez, I think this is a pretty easy challenge to give Gavin. We'll give it, we'll give you someone to beat in camp, right? We'll make it hard for you. We'll make it tough for you. He's a good guy. He'll be able to spin yarn. I think is what you said, right? You know, he gets like some Pedro likes him. Mike Moustakas is going to beat out Gavin Sheets for a, a job. If this was Dominic Smith, a guy who is of similar age, a true lefty, a guy who has played first in right field, a guy that is hungry to make the team, you know, Mike Moustakas obviously is, you know, talking up how hungry he is to make the team. He's 36 and is bad and hasn't had like a good season in like four years well, outside of Colorado. Like, well, I'll say this though about Gavin Sheets. I'll
1: say this about Gavin Sheets though. Forget for a second that he hit two home runs the other day. Like. What was your opinion of Gavin Sheets when the season ended last year? Horrible, but it was better than Mike Mustakas. But how much? I
0: mean, what's the biggest difference? What's I, the big difference there? You know Did what I, mean? I ever bring up Mike Moustakis' name in the fifteen hundred off season shows we did? No. No, I guess my point and is it, it just, would have been a funny bit because he's a former royal and it would have annoyed you. It would have. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just saying I'm just saying, like, my thought was never Mike Mustakas is gonna take this job from Gavin Sheets because he's washed. Like Gavin Sheets is young and he's Larry Sheets' kid, so give him a shot. I mean, when they go to Baltimore, he's going to be great. Um, I don't know. I mean, if, if like Matt Cortese saying is Brian Ramos an option, if this was like a guy of Brian Ramos's age or he was maybe a a prospect, obviously these guys aren't going to get that playing time. And you'd rather have Brian Ramos in like AAA getting, you know, more plate appearances. Brian, but,
1: Brian Ramos might be the starting third baseman next
0: year. Right. right. So, I mean, I, I like, I don't think it was a true challenge for Gav. Like, I don't know. You think you don't. So you think.
1: You don't think Moustakas is making the team? No.
0: Okay. I, I I would be surprised by that just because he's bad. And like I think he, Getz could probably be like, oh, we'll, we'll let you go play in Charlotte if you want. Like, or We'll give you a, a minor league coaching job just like Nikki Delmonico. You know what I was thinking the other day? Is it Delmonico? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And this is not,
1: no offense to either of these guys. They're both very good guys. But like, what are the odds that I would have covered multiple Nikki's?
0: You Nikki. know what I mean, as opposed to Knicks. You know, <laughs> right? Nikki yeah. Lopez,
3: Nikki Delmonico. Yeah, right. Any other ones you ones? Two Nickies, have? and they're the only one Nickies in Major League Baseball history, I believe. Is that true? I, when I looked it up, it was just came. You with, look this up when when I was looking up Nikki Lopez's uh, thing on Baseball Reference, it came up Nikki Lopez, Nikki Delmonico. How about that? All right, now I need to look this up
0: because I, I I do believe you, but also I
3: don't. I guess I got you. Um, lucky for Gavin if he does get sent down at the beginning of the year. They don't go to Baltimore until September. So (laughs) September 2nd, Baltimore 3rd and 4th. So he can get his uh, hits down there in Charlotte and then come back up here and dominate that weekend. That's
1: another good question for clarification uh, from Kevin there. Sheets and and Moustakas both would be primary if they had a defensive position to speak of primary first baseman first base. certainly sheets has been that way for a while um moustakis obviously many years as the third baseman in kansas city I believe he played a little second base when he, he was did. in milwaukee um when he was great when he was in milwaukee it's, by it's the way Cincinnati but. Too. uh he was not great when he was in Cincinnati, not but uh, but he definitely will not be playing any second base. Um, uh, Pedro said, we asked him, Pedro, about that, and he's not going to be playing any second base. Uh, again, defensive focus. This guy is, you know, of an age, and what usually when those guys uh, get to that age, they, they move over to, to first base. Uh, Moustakas might get a look or two at third base, but I wouldn't expect him to be playing any defense there, particularly when you've got a defender the caliber of Yohan Moncada uh, there at third
0: base. Yeah, and especially I mean I'd rather they think they'd rather see Mendic at their base than Mike Mustakas at this Yeah,
1: it point. would just be uh, that's why I am saying it's just a different position. Yeah, you know, there, there's there's the sure. there's the lefty bat off the bench that's Sheets Mustakas and then there's the fourth
3: outfielder which is a guy who's going to be have to be able to play second short and third. Um I'm trying to think like how many spots is that 13? Is that yeah. the, the nine starters and then you got the back and the backup uh catcher, then you got the backup Left bat, the backup right bat, and yeah, thirteen. 13. So, okay. Yeah,
0: it's, it's 13 pitchers, 13 batters, okay. so yeah. Nine know, plus four is I 13.
3: I know they're trying to uh, lessen the pitchers on the roster uh, for next year maybe, but I hope that doesn't happen because White Sox and everybody needs as many pitchers as they can get because injuries are like a motherfucker this year.
0: Right, too. Uh, you, uh, you'd want 13 pitchers for a three-game series, too. Yeah. Like I, I don't think that would make any sense, especially with five of those being – you know, ready for the next four games. I don't know what's wrong with baseball reference. You're right that Nicky Delmonico exists, but uh, you have to say first name starts with, you can't just say like first name is Nikki. It has to be first name starts with, ends with, so it's N-Icky, uh, and N-Icky and, and only brings up uh, Nikki Lopez. So hmm. Nicky Delmonico, we oh know, exists. God, I don't know. Yes. Uh, but A- I, for some reason he, Nikki he does Delmonico not Nicky Delmonico erasure did he never make the I major can leagues guys I yeah. can
3: confirm that he's I, I saw just him. on my thing it just that's what it comes up like there. just a major oh, league just players. when you're typing it in yeah, yeah okay the- I
0: guess that works yeah uh, all matches for Nikki. uh Nick Williams, but that's not Nick. Mm-hmm. Oh, another White Sox. White Street. Sox. Okay, but uh, yeah, well, <laughs> Nikki Dubs. Uh, so here's the Nick thing: name. when you look it up, it's Nikki Lopez, Nick Williams, who is Nikki Dubs, and then uh, Nikki Two Strikes, Nikki Magical. So they've had every Nikki ever. Every Nikki ever. Nicky ever. Um, there was what a uh, different name. How about that? Uh, there was a, a Nikki Curtis, uh, a Nikki Hopkins, but these were all minor leaguers. So if you've made the major leagues, you you are. You know, a White Sox. Congratulations. <laughs> oh my God. Nikki Curtis played for Birmingham. This is incredible. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, what is this? Uh, okay. I don't know where any of these teams are. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll end the show. Uh, that's it. Uh, we'll talk more about uh, uh, Danny Mendick. Various Nikki's Yeah.
3: Oh, we got to sign. More and names. if your name is close to Soraka or Soroka, there's a guy coming up yeah, next gonna... year in the draft named Sorota. I was like, the White Sox are drafting. His name, I think, is Mike Sorota. I get the bit. I'm always I'm always down for the bit. Uh, I I
0: want uh, that kid from Oregon State, Trent Bezzaro or whatever he oh, is, yeah. oh, second baseman lefty who's just like hitting. Is the he tall? Of the balls. No, he's like, but he's like. I mean, he's like six two maybe. R- 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 did the um, Oregon State thing. <laughs> Right, no, but he, oh, but he's, uh, is he tall? Yes, he's taller okay. than that guy. Okay. He's taller than 5'6 Nick Madrigal. He's okay. like 6'2". Um, but and he's got and a little he, pop. power. Oh, okay. a lot of pop. He's got like eight homers already. Not There's like also,
3: projected. Oh, he's short. He's a second baseman, so he's no, no, going to no. be like Jose Altuve or Nicky or uh, Dustin Bajoria type of a thing. Worked at driveline hitting the hell out of the ball. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. Thank Different you. guy.
0: There's also this kid from Georgia Tech who's a, a freshman, and in his first eight games, he has nine homers. <laughs> no Mark Garcia parr. No, oh, he, he Mark he's done something that Mark <laughs> Teixeira and Nomar and all these guys have never done. Uh, nine homers in his first eight games. Uh, a- anyways, uh, that's gonna do it. Any other? Que- any other thoughts? You guys want to go enjoy your weekend. Yes, I do. Okay. Yes. That's Vinny Duber. You can follow him at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. White Sox Weekly comes out on Monday, so make sure that you become a diehard if you haven't yet. The man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. You can follow him at Wall 23 He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can follow the show at CHGO underscore White Sox. Hit the like button. Thank you to Sarah for producing the show. We will talk to you on Monday. Goodbye. We
3: all silly like the man.